Hello, and welcome to another edition of the DevOps Podcast. As always, the views represented in this podcast are the individuals alone and do not represent the corporation they work for. Thanks and enjoy. Enterprise Summit, yeah, 2019 in Las Vegas. How's it going? Good. It's been a really. Introduce yourself. Yeah. So hey, uh, my name is Mike Wolf, managing director at KPMG. I help lead our modern delivery practice. For us, that's everything from agile through DevOps and kind of everything in between. Very cool. Yeah, I've known you now for I think over a year. Yeah. Uh, It's been pretty cool working with you guys and your team. It's a pretty neat team. I was really impressed with you guys. So. Yeah, I mean, and this this conference has been good because it's it's very validating. Yeah. For me, about a year ago, we had this idea that all these things were kind of coalescing, um, that you wouldn't be just talking about Agile without talking about DevOps, and you wouldn't be talking about something like inference structure as code without talking about the audit impacts of it. And so all of this seems to be kind of gelling together finally. We're, 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 we're becoming a grown-up community. Yeah, it's fun to see the market because, uh, you know, one of the interesting factoids that I keep talking about constantly, I'm sure anybody that listens to me is sick of hearing it, but... There was a Forrester wave that came out that said 85% of companies that have tried to do DevOps have literally not seen any significant increase in release frequency, right. which is one of Dora's main key KPIs yeah. for tracking. So it's like when you always dig into that, it's, well, why is it failing? And that's we took a little bit more of a, a punch-in-the-nose approach, which was a blog that says, like, DevOps is broken. And it, it basically is, and it's always this change management governance piece. And so it's neat to hear at this conference because... Now everybody in DevOps yeah. is finally talking about it. I think everyone's finally realizing that it wasn't the pieces and parts that bring all that together. It's it's the whole. Yeah. So like we, I've been really pushing this idea and trying to coalesce thinking around what organizations don't want to do is you don't want to do agile. You don't want to do, do DevOps. What you want to do is you want to think like a startup, right? You want to behave like a software company and you want to work like an enterprise and you have to do all of those things, right? So like... Thinking like a startup is I need to be able to pivot, I need to have agile thinking, I need to be product driven, right? I need a transformative leader. Um, I need to use microservices for like modularity, yeah. right? Not necessarily for an architectural principle, right? right? But a software company, it's like, oh, now I've got a servant leader, mm-hmm. right? And now I'm aligning to things like value streams and I'm aligning uh, you know, to these long-running teams, and I'm doing CI, CD, and I'm probably doing infrastructure as code. Or I'm definitely doing those things. I see my software as a supply chain, right. right? And then on the the work side of like an enterprise, well, yeah, they govern and they do work, right? right. Like if an enterprise does something, they do work, and so it's all of those things that go around with controls and governance, and they have a strong definition of what a role is and what's your job career you know, what your job path and career path are, and all of these things that are inherent to the value of an enterprise. But everybody kind of needs a piece and a part of that, right? You you have a startup and it, you, you jump in, you're like, wow, you do not run like a software company, and your <laughs> controls are way out of whack. Right. And then you go into an enterprise, you're like, you have controls from the For 90s, days. right? For days. 
and they haven't been mapped to a software supply chain, right? right? But then you go into a software company and you're like, yeah, you have no way for a developer to progress in their career on the work side. Oh, by the way, you're still thinking in years, not in quarters, right? And everybody has to line all those things up. And that's why it's not just about like the frequency, like the frequency of deployment is, is this metric that is like the symptom yeah. that you're catching at the end of somebody you know, having a cold, right? Right, right? That should be the output. The exhaust out is, oh, wow, look at this increase because I've done all of these things, not pieces and parts. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I saw you posted that on LinkedIn, and I thought that was brilliant. I really like it because I think everybody's starting to wake up in the industry that, yeah, we want to move really, really fast, but we have to do it with some safety and guide rails. And that's I, I still always talk about the Gene Kim's DevOps handbook at the beginning yeah. where it's like the myth is that DevOps kills ITIL, and they're like, no, now more than ever, we need the governance. We just need it to be automated. It has yeah. to move as fast well, as we do. The story I always tell with that is like, look, I'm, I'm a music nerd. Like, my Twitter is geek punk, if that doesn't tell enough oh, about it. my music interests. Um, look, it wasn't the FBI that killed uh, stealing music, right? That didn't happen. It wasn't like controls, governance, and yeah. process, and fear caused people to stop stealing music. It was iTunes, and now Spotify. You created the guardrails that it's so much easier right. for me to just do what's right. Yeah, yeah. And the same thing goes to the now CI/CD pipeline, or, or golden containers, or uh, you know, connected tool chain. Yeah, me as a developer, man, just give me the path. Right. I want to write code. I want to spend time doing that. And putting those guardrails in path, it inherently then maps to the new ITIL yeah. stuff, right? Or, or, or you know, IT service management stuff. Or, uh, you know, across the board, you could just like tick off the certifications and buzzwords, but it's really about increasing productivity and compliance because you don't have to think about it. It's just there. It's like buying a song off of, off of iTunes or streaming it off Spotify. Right. No, that's actually, a, <laughs> I love that. Making it easy to do the right thing. Like that should be, that, that's a huge title because that's what we talk about constantly is like if we yeah. automate change management, you know, a lot of companies have, uh, a lot of companies we've been talking to have operationalized this idea of a standard change, which bypasses the normal sure. change process. And they gussy it up as whatever term, yeah. whether it's standard change or emergency change or whatever, a low risk change. Yeah. Um, but by and large, a lot of times they're also bypassing the documentation, the change registration, all of the yes. you know, audit all of All the stuff you want right. to be For governance. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because now that you're saying like, if you make it easy to do the right thing, then if we're automating change management and everything runs at the speed of DevOps, but it's a fully documented, fully normal change, where risk is being calculated on the fly from all these metrics that are yeah. in flight, it's so easy to actually stay compliant because it's built in. Yeah, it's built into the system. Yeah. And then you can take your people who had been worrying about compliance and just during doing full-on toil, right? Like if you look at the stuff that, com that risk people and, and audit people generally have to do, it's straight-up toil, Yeah. right? And you can remove that toil from the system. Now all of a sudden, wow, they can be helping you create a more stable system. They could be advising about how we could do this better and faster. Um, Etc. Yeah, I mean, like one of the use cases we've been hearing a lot about is tying infrastructure as code to ServiceNow, oh, nice. right? Me as a developer, I should be able to go and say, create me a new instance. I need a dev environment, and it spins up all of my DevOps tools configured the way they should be configured, and no person has to do it. And it's a low risk, so you spin it up. And then that's all tracked, right, through the whole process. And if I don't use it for a period of time, maybe there's a bot that comes in, like Cloud Custodian, comes in, kills it off, and then logs it as saying, hey, killed this instance, wasn't used for this period of time, didn't match this standard, right? Yeah. Or go and say, 
open up port 8080. That's an approved change. You track it all and no humans involved. It goes in and, you know, either tears down that structure or runs, you know, Puppet or Chef or Ansible and makes the change, but then tracks it that someone asked for this change. Right. It was done. It was completed through automation. Yeah. And that way, if anything goes down or anything gets, it has to be reverted and the auditors come knocking, like, why did this go down? You have full auditability, which is... Yeah. I love hearing people talk about auditability and traceability at a DevOps conference. It's like, they've never cared about that before. Well, and I think, I think to your point of... of it hitting this point where it's really coming together and, and growing up, I think people realize, oh, that deployment thing wasn't about the automating. It was the change review board, yeah, right? And the cabs and all of that stuff, right? right? If I can help change that process, oh, now I can have an impact. I can only do that if I work with my risk colleagues and my internal audit colleagues and I create standard images and I do all the the big boy hard work of like talking to each other and, and figuring it out. Yeah. No, that's pretty, that's pretty great. Cause one of the things I, I talk to change managers a lot, cause that's our primary point of contact a lot of times when we have these discussions and by and large, they're in a, they're in a bad spot. I actually get nothing but empathy for them because uh, like there's a woman in Miami that, and I've said it before, but the, it, she said to me, she just looked at me with like these puppy dog eyes and just said, there's four of us. There's 400 of them. We can never keep up. And half the stuff we're looking at is it is stuff we shouldn't have to approve. But yeah, it's those three or four really risky changes we got to worry about. But and but so, their life. But the it's that you brought up the big term that I've been trying to use is just like this this constant empathy. Yeah. Right? Like we somehow gained empathy for QA. Right. All of a sudden we sh- that's a shared responsibility. Right, right. We as devs were. We're doing test-driven development and unit testing, and, code and, and, and yeah, we're, we've got pull requests, and and I've got you know software engineers and tests, and I'm like, oh yes, we broke down that barrier, and then we went to security, DevSecOps, that's it, and we'll create security advocates and all of that stuff, and uh, security is everybody's job, and then it got to like the risk and the audit, and was like, ooh, we're not touching that, right, right, and I think that's the next. Thing. We're seeing a big influx of that sort of stuff. Yeah, well, it's it's so important. I mean, we we've known for years that you know the audit stuff isn't. A lot of people look at these safety and control of governance and think it's a negative, and because at least at a DevOps conference. But the reality is, what they don't realize is like that's how companies stay alive. That's how they stay on yeah, the news it, and they keep their customers. Is, it's funny when you, when you when you say just the word audit, I think it freaks people out. Oh yeah. And you say the word compliance. Yep. And like, look, I'm, I'm a recovering developer. I love the idea that I have freedom to make anything. And so the concept of compliance was like, uh, but then you talk, well, what is linting? Wasn't linting kind of compliance <laughs> and standards? What was using a framework for? Oh, so I don't have to keep writing the same sort right. of stuff and doing it all, all over again. I think it's a, it, it's a culturalism, right? No one's going to argue, well, shouldn't you be running security analysis on your Docker containers to make sure somebody didn't put some nasty stuff in it. Yeah, we should really do that. Oh, okay, that's compliance, <laughs> right? Right. That's that's L- that c word. That's that c word. Oh, you you mean you shouldn't just let root have access to your system? Oh yeah, that's compliance, <laughs> right? right? Exactly. And it's that it's that I think the communication barrier that says I'm going to say the Docker's and the Kubernetes, right? And someone else over here is going to say Kubit, right? Right? And, and that, that empathy to go, you're just as valuable 
and I'm just as valuable, and we have right. to do this as one unit. And for some reason, that's the one of the last things to help fall. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's very true, and that's what I'm seeing now. Is it's almost like a jump ball for all these standards boards and, and DevOps, and I kind of watching them. I would say I don't want to say fumble over each other, but it's it is a lot of people are trying to adjust all these frameworks to now meet the new world of, of DevOps, and so. It's like you see uh, some of these industry analysts talking about like we we got to get everybody on the same page and figure this out. But it's like by and large, most of the boards don't really agree on a lot of stuff. So. Well, none of it's technical. Like yeah. the, the exhausting thing for me is 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 someone who spent most of their career in technology. And my previous career, I I went to school to be an elementary school teacher. Oh, nice. Yeah. So like, so like, <laughs> what tra a transition? What a transition. <laughs> what I'm finding is actually that human problem of like. Well, great. How do we talk to each other? How yeah. do we play nice on the <laughs> playground, right? What does a teacher need versus a yeah. principal need is not that dissimilar to these team structures. That's why this conference has been inspiring to me because I've heard there's one talk this morning that was really cool that was about functional programming and you know some some patterns that are very similar to things in like the banking industry. I got super geeked out about that. Nice. But most of it has been about people working together. Excellent. And that breaking down those barriers because that is the bigger, that's the bigger industry problem. Yeah, no, it's the, we, we always talk about, so this, this is the conference where Gene's, you know, rolling out the unicorn project, you know, officially, but yeah. um, we do talk about those unicorns versus like the, the regulated enterprise. And I've spent most of my career in regulated enterprise. So, I mean, I even had my failed attempt at trying to do DevOps at a 200 year old bank. And the, the reality is a lot of these cultures aren't, aren't ready for the amount of change that needs to take place. Yeah, yeah I think that's fair. And it's funny, I've, I've started, you know, I got a pre-read of the books, so I've been going yeah. through it. The name turned me off at first. Yeah. Because, so one of my colleagues, uh, his name's Mark Shank, when we were uh, a um, digital agency, we came with this term of a unicorn constabulary, right? <laughs> we, were, we, were, we were raising unicorns. Unicorns, one, don't exist. And if you tell everyone they're a unicorn, they're gonna start acting like unicorns, yeah. right? And so like there's this, this shift to going, hey, no, actually we're all part of this crew, yeah. right? This squad that we're going and achieving this, this goal, right? Like a uh, uh, talk I did at DevOps World was all about like killing heroes. And the basic like punchline was like, hey, look, um, the only superhero who didn't die was Captain America because he was really sad because all his friends were dead, Yeah. right? And, and by the way, Captain America didn't win World War II. It was an army. It was an allied army of forces right. that go through. And that's a bit of like the culturalism we need to help empower in our industry is actually it's to get through this last hurdle, it's not gonna, you're gonna have, you're gonna need a unicorn or two, right? right? And you're gonna need a couple horses that believe they're unicorns, right? But you're gonna need a massive army and cultural swing to do this and start to think about like, what are those moments in your culture that matter. We have this thing called um, uh, culture of, and we've been laying out what are the cultural elements that matter. Like when, when a deploy fails, how do you react? Yeah. Are you blaming someone? Are we collaborating on it? Are we finding the right thing, right? What happens when a product fails? How do we treat that failure or a success? What do we do in that cultural moment to encourage the behaviors we want? Our tools will tie it together, but what is, who do we want to act like so that way we can become that elite um, accelerate performer? Yeah, it's neat to see that that percentage has gone up, I, I think, so much and since last year's Dora report. 
uh, for the elite performers. If you're not familiar with the Dora Report, that's how they classify the top tier. Yeah. Used to be the unicorns. Um, but yeah, it's, it, the killing the hero thing is interesting because that's like the Phoenix Project. There was the one person that was the gateway to everything. And right. it was like, if you need to get something done, I can't remember the name of the character, but it's like, it's Bob. Like, Bob's the one that right, has right, to right. go. Um, but yeah, you in order for this to all be really effective and to get flow throughout the system, you have to have everybody be working. You have to have, like, again, I could go on and on about, like, the random hero connections. Like, you need a, you need a, a knowledgeable citizenry. Yeah. Right? Like, in, the, in, in the Incredibles, right? It's like... Oh, we don't need Incredibles anymore. But then to do that, you need an engaged citizenry. Yeah, yeah. It says, oh, we're all going to do this um, to, to push it forward. Um, but that takes an, a very deliberate decision, right? A very deliberate operating model rollout, etc. It's not just, well, we put in the Jenkins. Good day to you, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> CICD, check. Check. Okay, good. Yeah, one of the things, like, the two things that um, Nicole brought up at this conference I thought were really good. One was um, the, the, the failure of the maturity model. Yeah. Right? The problem with the maturity model is, like, cool, got it done, check, <laughs> mostly there, see you later, and then they've seen falling of that. And that's why there's a change between the median. There was uh, an increase in the number of high performers and also an increase in the medium. Like the ones that were like, eh. and she thinks because there's been a fall back oh, really? in that, right? Um, the other thing that in the uh, research I find really interesting is the um, the benefits to churn. So you see a 50% burnout reduction by doing this stuff. Yeah. Which now means, oh, it's not just the IT guys. Hey, um, chief HR officer. Yeah. Let's talk about how you can help me roll out Agile and DevOps because... People are going to love their jobs. Yeah, we actually. Uh, so I've, I've brought this up before, but one of the one of the major hurdles that they tasked me with trying to help solve when we joined the whole e-task thing mm-hmm. uh, was there's a forty percent attrition rate of new hire developers because they couldn't get them to write their first line of code within yeah. five weeks, and we were trying to hire all these kids out of MIT and Stanford. I call them kids because they were straight out of college. Yeah, um, and I'm getting old, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so we were hiring these kids and they'd show up and they'd be like, okay, I want to make my dent in the universe at this massive bank. And then three weeks go by, four weeks go by. When do yeah. I get to write code? Can I, I, can, can I just NPM or pip install my stuff and get going? <laughs> it, it was crazy because we're yeah. like, uh, no. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the HR onboarding stuff that we have, I, you know, I even wish I had when I first started because it's, it does, that, that ability to have that workflow done is, is tremendous. But yeah. it's just making life easier. Just like, making life easier. Because we talk about the value of automated change management. But it's like, no one, no one really can quantify, like, all your developers are happier now, and they're writing more code, and they're yeah. writing code when they're happy. So what's that doing for their, val- you know, for yeah. their performance? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but those are things that are really hard to quantify. So we always talk about, here's the number of hours they got back equals this much money. It, right, it is. But, but then if you quantify it out of what is, so you, you know, what is your net promoter score for um, developers recommending other developers work there? Yeah. Right? If you want to see your impacting... Um, uh, developer experience. We used to do this quite often. So we'd run a survey and be like, how likely are you to recommend your friend to work here as a developer? Oh, that's a good one. And it would tell you a lot. It'd be tell you whether you're investing in your people, whether you're investing in the platforms, um, et cetera. I should as a, and there's no reason why you can't do this as a developer. I should be able to start my day and go, cool, I'm going to pull down my containers from the registry and you give me a development environment locally that I can run immediately, yeah. 
and then I I want to create the a shared pipeline. I go into ServiceNow and say, create the golden set. Yeah, and everything's tied together. And we have all of the pieces now. We just need to tie together our DevOps platform, yep. our culture, our infrastructure's code folks, our uh, you know enterprise platforms, our risk. It, easy peasy. We'll we'll get that all done tomorrow. Right. <laughs> no, that's the. Uh... That we, we've <laughs> the culture is the hardest part. I, I think the technologies are, are all phenomenal now. I, I mean, compared to just even five years ago. Um, but yeah, the culture is still like because you have so much. We talk about tech debt in IT, but I don't know what to call the human debt. But there's like so I brought all this, this human debt that exists on my these... on, on the panel today. I brought it up. I said, as an industry, we talk about technical debt. That's known, quantifiable. We can understand it. The industry has massive cultural debt. Yeah, that's and massive word. organizational debt. Yeah, nice. Right? Where you're like, oh, well, why don't you do that? Oh, well, I report up to Jane, and Jane reports up to Sam, and this is what we're driving. Mm-hmm. Or even worse, why don't we do it? Well, because my metrics are this. Yeah. Right? And so instead, on, on the org structure, aligning around product-centric things and operating, you know, a modern operating model and things like OKRs, right, to drive transparency and all that. Again, that's like some hard work. Right, and and now all of a sudden I'm bridging over to my HR team, and I'm bridging over to my metrics piece, um, or on the cultural thing. Like I said, what what are the things we do to encourage collaboration? What metrics do I have on collaboration? Yeah, right. Um, I I'm a strong believer, and there's all those the transparency and metrics drive so so much of that. I went to a tech expo. Uh, a customer's tech expo, and I can't remember, but it was uh, their entire message was insourcing. Yeah. And it was like, or no, intersource. Uh, that's, that was the new buzzword from Google, intersourcing. Um, and it was, I'm like, what is, what is intersourcing? So I, I went and like down the rabbit hole, and it was, it was literally open source, but internally. Yeah, so yeah, it's inter- like yeah. having everybody in the organization work well, together. And I'm like, so we got a fancy name for this now, which it's yeah. really just, why don't we collaborate and yeah. not rewrite code? Yeah, we, we used to say, we used to. <laughs> I mean, Google is big on that because they're mono repo, and a lot of people can't live that same way in the open internally. But we are seeing a lot of our customers do that that insourcing. And then, what do we what do we use open source as finding our best to then contribute? Because then that increases developer experience for people wanting to come and stay here. While at the same time, you're you're doing what's right by the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually. Uh, so I a podcast that may or may not go live before yours, but Tamim Hurani is the guy at RapDev that was at Wayfair. Okay. And we had this amazing conversation about Wayfair, and it's just, it was amazing, because when most people leave a company and go somewhere else, they tend to be like, well, I left for a reason. Yeah. And Tamim just raved about it. He's like, oh my God, Wayfair was the greatest thing. And he goes, if I if I had to go back to like not working for myself, I would immediately want to go back to yeah. Wayfair. And he said, I worked with the smartest people. It was such an amazing culture. I learned and grew so much. I mean, he was... He just waxed ecstatic about the fact that, like, that culture was something that he was driven towards. Yeah. I mean, and it, look, that's, that's how you build, that's how you build uh, your enterprise. That's how you build your army. That's how you build a culture, right? People yeah. don't want to work for kings and fiefdoms. They want to build right. a nation. Oh, for right? sure. They want and to be part of it. They want to be part. And, and, and that's all of these things that we talk about in... in in agile and DevOps and, and all of this together is, at the end of the day, it's how do we make a great organization that produces great value that we all want to be in, yeah, right, and that we want to stay with. Um, 
particularly as the market is so competitive right now, (laughs) you have to do everything you can to keep people. And some of it's just, if that means breaking down the risk barriers so that way uh, we can get code out, it makes people really happy. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Right. Like anything that's going to do to drive, you know, employee experience, developer experience, that's ultimately drives customer experience at the end of the day. Yeah, that's awesome. So I know you got to run to your next panel, but uh, do you have any other last thoughts to share or anything to plug? Oof. Um, no, I mean, last thoughts I would say is, this has been my mantra this year is, we as a culture need to be deliberate. I like it. Like as, a, as, a, as an ecosystem, we can't just say, well, hey, I've got all this, this data coming out of my CICD pipeline, just that'll work, right? <laughs> we can't say I've made, I've made the environment the people will come we have to be active, deliberate participants in, in the things that we're doing. So that's what I'd say is, you know, to other you know, companies looking at doing this, you know, what can you do to fix that culture side? What can you do to fix the people side, the tool side, um, the controls and governance side? And obviously KPMG is happy to help you uh, solve all of those problems. Very cool, man. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, man. I really appreciate thank you. you joining us for our podcast. So. Oh, it was awesome.